Hello, thank you for tuning into this Bible study. Today, we're gonna to be talking about Genesis chapter 27. We're gonna pick it up at the very end of 26, and we're actually gonna go in a little bit to chapter 28. But there's two big things that we're gonna be talking about. Uh, one, we are gonna look at the patriarchal blessing, the, the blessing from the father, the patriarch character, the head of the family, the, the, the last blessing that the patriarch gives on his sons. We're gonna see that in Isaac uh, giving his blessing to Esau and to Jacob. Uh, but within that, we're also gonna talk about the other blessings, right? So there's the birthright blessing, there's the patriarchal blessing, and then there is the covenantal blessing. So I'm gonna talk about what those three are because it can be a little confusing. Then we're gonna look at the dysfunctional side of Isaac's family. We have Isaac, his wife Rebecca, and their twin sons, Jacob and Esau, and we're gonna see dysfunction at its best uh, as we study our scriptures today. So why don't you bow your heads and let's uh, dedicate this time to God. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the means that we're able to do this. Thank you that within our holy scriptures, we see the true humanity of um, ourselves. We see ourselves reflected back. We see the best and the worst of, of humanity and that you love us despite that. Teach us something today, Lord. Speak through me. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. Okay, so uh, to start out with, I want to do a little bit of a recap. Uh, so flip with me. Uh, we're on Genesis 27, but we're going to go back to Genesis 25. And I'm just going to read a few verses here just to give a little bit of a recap of the, the family, just to explain the family dynamic of these four individuals. So Genesis 25, uh, starting at uh, verse 21. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. The babies jostled each within her and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire to the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. The older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out and with his hand grasping Esau's, Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he's also called Edom. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is my birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. So you have Isaac, who is Abraham's son. Uh, you have Rebekah, his wife. And at the beginning of this, and we'll talk about this, uh, they both seek the Lord. Uh, Rebekah can't have kids. There's 20 years that they're married in which they can't have kids. And Isaac prays for his wife, and they are able to get, conceive. Then uh, Rebekah uh, has the twins inside of her, and they're all jostling about. And she seeks the Lord, asking, well, why? What's going on? And the Lord answers and says, you have two nations in your womb. Those two nations, as we spoke about when we talked about Genesis 25, are Israel and the Edomites, who uh, throughout looking at the Old Testament, they do battle back and forth, just as uh, God has foreshadowed, saying that one people will be stronger than the other. Um, the older will serve the younger. And then you see uh, the character of Esau and of Jacob. Esau is a man's man, a hairy uh, hunter, 
Uh, and you're gonna see he smells uh, like the wilderness. We'll see that today. Um, and Jacob uh, is the mama's boy. Smooth skin, likes to stay at home. And uh, the parents are divided. Uh, Isaac loves Esau and Rebekah loves Jacob. So that's the family dynamic. That's the family dynamic that we're gonna be covering today. Uh, I'm gonna read all of 27. Before I do that, I wanted to actually give the explanation on the three blessings before I go into that, because I wanna read the whole story. So I want a little bit of context for, for you guys as we go into this, right? So we saw Jacob uh, swindle scheme with Esau uh, to get his birthright. Uh, Esau, for a meal, sold his birthright. What is the birthright? The birthright is his inheritance. And from a cultural standpoint, historical standpoint, uh, the oldest male would carry on the family name, would carry on the family legacy. They would also receive a double portion of the inheritance. The birthright is... 100% uh, tangible assets. It is um, the inheritance. It's the money. When uh, mom and dad die, how does it get spread out to the kids? The birthright is the, the, the deciding factor of that. This is still something that we see in monarchies today. Um, we, as I spoke about when we, we discussed chapter 25, um, the Queen of England just died and now we have a king. And that's the same idea is, is that it's the, the, the succession plan is the birthright. So Esau gave up his birthright for a meal. He was hungry and Jacob saw the opportunity. So that is the birthright blessing the inheritance. Good? So the other, uh, the blessing that we're going to be talking about today is what's called the patriarchal blessing. Patriarch is a fancy word for the male head of the household. Matriarch is mom. Patriarch is dad. And at this time, uh, uh, the, the patriarch is also the head of the family, the head of the tribe. So um, in uh, Judaism, in Genesis in particular, the patriarchs, uh, as referenced, are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are the traditional patriarchs of Judaism as well as Christianity. And so when we say patriarchal blessing, it's actually twofold. It is the blessing that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob give on their sons. But more locally, the patriarchal blessing is the blessing that a father gives on uh, his children. And what we're going to see uh, as we look at this is Isaac is dying, so to speak. He's not actually dying. He's just getting really old. Uh, he's become blind at this point. He actually lives quite a bit longer than this, but he realizes that he's getting so old in his age and he doesn't know when he's going to die. So before he dies, he wants to pass on uh, his final blessing to his sons. This is something that we've seen before. Abraham did it. Um, Noah actually also gave a, a, a patriarchal blessing. In fact, let's flip there. Uh, leave your marker here at Genesis 26, 27, and flip with me back, and we're going to hit uh, Genesis 9, uh, 25. So this is Noah giving his patriarchal blessing on his sons uh, and his descendants. So Genesis 9, picking up on verse 25. He said, Cursed be Canaan. The lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. He also said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend Japheth's territory. May Japheth live in the tents of Shem. And may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. The final blessing doesn't necessarily have to be good. It can also be a curse. And we're actually going to see uh, that Jacob... Uh, as we read, is afraid uh, when his mom uh, tells him to scheme to get uh, Esau's blessing, as we'll talk about and we'll look, Jacob is actually afraid that his dad is going to figure it out and give him a curse in the same way that Noah gave a curse. So we do see blessing on uh, both Japheth as well as Shem. Uh, Shem uh, is the father of the Semite 
uh, uh, peoples, Semite languages, which actually both the Arabs and the Israelis are part of the Semite uh, Semitic languages. So uh, praise be to the Lord, the God uh, of Shem, uh, may Canaan be a slave to Shem. And we see that play out, but we also see the curse on Canaan. Now, an important thing to note, these patriarchal blessings are not God's decrees. These are a father's wishes and desires for his sons, for his family. God is not under obligation to make these things happen. That's an important thing to note. God is God. And if a father says all of these things, uh, such as Noah says, is God under obligation to follow through with that? No, God is God. He doesn't have to do uh, what Noah says, but you do see may Canaan be the slave of Shem, may Japheth live in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. This is almost like a final prayer uh, that the father is giving on his, his descendants. So that's an important thing to note is, is that when we hear this final blessing uh, that Isaac is going to give on both Esau and Jacob, that it doesn't mean that this is absolute. That being said, we can see from context by the way that both Jacob and Esau react to the blessings from Isaac, as well as the way Rebecca schemes to get this final blessing, that these final patriarchal blessings had humongous weight back in this time. Uh, they, it was considered to be a prophetic level. It wasn't guaranteed to be from God, but they did believe that, that there was an element of this is going to be what comes to pass. But again, I need to make it clear, um, this is not a guarantee. The final blessing that we want to make sure not to get confused with this is the Abrahamic covenant, the covenantal blessing, right? So uh, we've talked about this. The whole point of all of these chunks of, of scripture that we're going through is God's promise, God's blessing, the Abrahamic covenant. Genesis 12 outlines it, uh, then 15 and 17, and we keep seeing these iterations of it, these reaffirmations of it. We're going to see it yet again today and God affirming it uh, on Jacob. Uh, in a nutshell, God said that he is going to bless Abraham and make him into a mighty nation and that his descendants will be as numerous as the sand on the seashore or the stars in the sky. Uh, God also says that he will bless those who bless him and his descendants and he will curse those who curse his descendants. We're going to see that reaffirmed as well. Then there's also an element of the promised land as far as uh, the, the region of Canaan, um, that uh, Israel is promised this land, right? So that is the Abrahamic covenant. The ultimate uh, of it is that the entire world will be blessed through Abraham's descendants. So there's this blessing, the covenantal blessing that passes on that is not contingent upon uh, Isaac's patriarchal blessing. I just want to make sure that that's clear. That's God's blessing on the descendants of Abraham by his choice, and it's not contingent upon Isaac giving a blessing to make sure that that passes on. Okay. Uh, oh, excuse me. Before we do that, I want to read uh, a little piece from Walton, um, the NIV application commentary on Genesis, uh, picking it up on page 554. <clears throat> Isaac is planning to give the patriarchal blessing, which must be distinguished from the material inheritance of the birthright discussed at the end of Genesis 25. The blessing has nothing to do with material goods or birth order. It is also important to distinguish the patriarchal blessing from the covenant blessing, uh, though there may be areas of overlap. The covenant blessing is passed on to Jacob by Isaac in 28 verse three through four. We'll hit on that today but more importantly, is confirmed by God in subsequent settings, and that's in 28, 13 through 15. These pronouncements can be viewed from three different perspectives, social, theological, and canonical. From the social perspective, there is no question that these pronouncements are taken with the utmost gravity by father and son. They expect the pronouncements to impact the destiny of the son. The significance attached to the pronouncement is evident in what Rebecca and Jacob are willing to do 
to procure it as well as in Esau's distress when he loses it. That's what we were talking about earlier. The power of the pronouncement is vested in its being spoken. That is why Isaac cannot take it back after he learns he has been tricked. As we have mentioned previously in regard to patriarchal blessings, theologically, these pronouncements are not presented as prophetic messages from God. They simply represent the hopes and wishes of a father for his sons. Consequently, Isaac uses first-person grammatical forms to indicate his ownership of the statements. We see that in 2737. There is no intrinsic authority vested in his blessing. In this way, it is much like Joseph's dreams. God is not obliged to work them out. When we look at the situation from a canonical perspective, however, we must admit that their inclusion by the narrator indicates a sense that the pronouncements also enjoy God's seal of approval and that it turns out accurately to reflect the son's destiny. Whether we would say that the patriarch is blessed with divine insight in the making of the pronouncement or that God sees fit to honor the pronouncement is just semantics. Okay, so I hope that was helpful in looking at the different blessings and a little bit of an understanding uh, of the, the historical perspective as we dig into this. Okay, so now we are going to cover... Um, we're picking it up at 26, verse 34, and we're going to go into 28 just a little bit. Uh, so sit back, relax, and enjoy as we read through uh, chapter 27 of Genesis. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and also Basimath, daughter of Elon, the Hittite. They were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, Listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I am smooth of skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth parts of his neck with goat skin. Then she handed it to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. 
He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I'm your son, he replied. Your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. But he said, your brother came in deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright. Now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him Lord over you and have made all his relatives, all his relatives, his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to him, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, Your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban and Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. Uh, chapter 28, verse 1. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. Then he commanded him, Do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Padam Aram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way, and he went to Padam Aram, to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Arminian, uh, the Armin, the brother of Rebekah, who was the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and had sent him to Padan Aram to take a wife from there, and that when he blessed him, he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Padan Aram. 
Esau then realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father Isaac, so he went to Ishmael and married Mahalath, the sister of Naboth, and daughter of Ishmael's son of Abraham, in addition to the wives he already had. Lots to cover, lots to talk about. Okay, so the first chunk that I want to talk about actually is, is bookends this chapter where you have at the beginning uh, in Genesis 26, verse 34 uh, through and 35, and then at the end, uh, 27, 46, all the way through um, 28, verse 9, is this uh, look at Esau marrying local women. And it's interesting is, is that mom actually says, um, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. Okay, let's talk about what, what is this. So uh, digging into the passage, verse 34, we see that Esau is 40 years old. It's actually the same age that Isaac was when he married Rebekah. And he marries Judith and Basimath. These are two local Hittite women. Now, as you will recall, Abraham, when he is getting really old, he sends his head servant uh, to Laban, to, his, to Haran, uh, which is um, in modern-day Turkey, just north of Syria, is where, the, is where Haran is. Um, he sent him there because... God wanted Israel as a nation, they're not called Israel yet, but wanted Abraham and his descendants to be set apart. The Jews were to be set apart. Israel is to be set apart. And there's this element of intermarrying into the world, which causes a, um, a dwindling or a uh, diluting of the family heritage. And as you look at um, Genesis 24, you see that. Um, you see Abraham being adamant that Isaac is not to take a wife from the Canaanites or the Hittites because he knows that it's not, it's not appropriate for his family line to be unequally yoked, to get um, diluted with the local culture. A little tangent here, a little side piece here uh, to dig into is there's three verses that I want to hit on, on this idea of being unequally yoked. And that's exactly what we're talking about here, is this intermarrying, uh, the, the idea of a Christian dating uh, a, um, a non-believer, and, and is that appropriate? That's the application, but let's dig into the scriptures. So 2 Corinthians 6.14 do not be yoked together with unbelievers. 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad company corrupts good character. So the thing that Rebecca is complaining about is Esau, as we've discussed before, Esau is a man of the world. Uh, he does not love God. He is not of God. And he gives up his birthright uh, simply for some food. We see him not worry about the family legacy, not worry about God's blessing, not worried about following his grandfather Abraham's um, uh, legacy. And so he, he doesn't care. He just marries whoever he wants and he marries these women that are locals. And that does do, as I discussed, delude. And you do see this element of, um, in Corinthians, Paul actually says, don't be yoked with unbelievers and bad company corrupts good character. Now, neither of those verses actually are speaking directly about marriage, but we can put that context there about this idea of um, should a Christian marry a non-believer? And that verse, to not be yoked with unbelievers, one of two things is going to happen. Either the unbeliever is going to profess faith or the believer is going to walk away from their faith. That, that is the most common thing. One of those two things pretty much has to happen because of the conflict that, that, that exists. Now, some people, there is this idea of missionary dating. And I think this is just hilarious, but the idea is, is that, well, no, see, if I break up with this individual, they don't believe, and, and because of my belief, they are going to get saved. 
a key thing to understand and to remember, belief is a critical choice that comes from that person and their relationship with God. You want a person to have a genuine faith and not have a faith that may or may not be swayed because they don't want to break up with somebody. Dating is hunting for a mate, for a life partner. Dating is to lead towards marriage. So if the purpose of dating is to lead towards marriage, it's a very dangerous thing to date somebody who is not a believer for the believer. And if they do become a believer, did they become a believer for the right reasons? Did they do it because they want to make sure to make you happy? Or did they do it because they have genuine faith in God? That's a tough one. Now, one thing that I do want to add in here is that Paul does additionally speak to uh, married people specifically. 1 Corinthians 7, 12 through 14 If you are married to an unbeliever, whether you are the husband or the wife, do not leave them because of their unbelief. You are a blessing to them. Read uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 12 through 14. If you are in that situation, there is still hope for that person. Pray for that person. You are in a tough situation because you are being pulled from two sides. Uh, Pray for your spouse. Pray for them daily. That's a little bit of a tangent, but uh, you can see that application. And as I said, it kind of book bookends both the beginning and the end. Uh, we see that. And this is the reason why Jacob leaves Canaan and travels back to Haran, to Laban, who is Rebekah's brother, to find a wife. Now, that also being said, uh, Jacob is running from his, from his brother Esau. He's running for his life. So he's going to travel. Uh, Haran is uh, 500 miles north of where they live. It's a long journey to get there. And so he flees. Um, so now we're going to move on to the middle chunk here, uh, chapter 27, verse 1 through 45. And we're going to look at a dysfunctional family, a totally dysfunctional family. Now they started off very well. We actually, as I spoke of in 25, we see um, Isaac pray for his wife. You see his wife, Rebecca. Uh, When she doesn't know what's happening, she seeks the Lord. So you see this husband and wife um, start out on on good footing. And some additional context. Um, Genesis, um, uh, hold on, let me just read my notes here for a second. Yes, okay, so Isaac starts out so well. He is the promised uh, child uh, for Abraham and Sarah. And there is even an element of he willingly put himself on the altar. If you will recall, when Abraham is challenged by God to sacrifice his son Isaac, Isaac is a young man at this point, and he willingly is bound by his father because of his faith in God. So Isaac is a solid individual, a solid um, uh, God-fearing believer, a man of faith. And yet... We see him go against God's blessing. So God specifically says to Rebecca that the younger will be served by the older, and yet Isaac goes against that. We also see the selfishness of Isaac. Uh, Isaac wants to give off his final blessing, and uh, rather than worry about his sons finding wives, um, he's worried about getting a last tasty meal. Abraham, when he was getting really old, his main concern was for his son Isaac uh, and getting a proper wife, not from the locals. Whereas Isaac, as he's on his deathbed, so to speak, he wants a tasty meal. Interesting stuff. He could have put God first, uh, healed his family, and uh, it's an interesting question. Had he done proper communication and had good discussions with his wife, Rebecca, would things have been uh, slightly different in the dynamic between uh, Jacob and Esau? Rebecca, <laughs> Rebecca, we see trying to control and manipulate the entire situation. It's very interesting is that we see... Um, In verse 27, verse 12, 
we're going to talk about Jacob here in a second. Uh, but Jacob is actually concerned that he's going to receive the curse if he listens to his mom. His mom knows that Jacob, that Isaac loves Esau, and she wants to make sure her favorite son, Jacob, gets uh, the patriarchal last blessing. Uh, and so she manipulates and she controls and she schemes. And unfortunately, this is the last she is going to see of her son. So she says the verse, she says, uh, why should I lose both of you in one day? What's that? That is in reference to is Esau says, I'm going to kill Jacob. If he does that, if Esau successfully kills Jacob, uh, the Levitical system, the law, which hasn't been, uh, we haven't even hit on that yet, but it is established that, that if you kill, you will be killed. The re response of this is retribution um, of him likely being killed, and she would lose both of her sons. If Esau kills Jacob, uh, then Esau will die for his crimes. And so as a result, so that she doesn't lose both of her sons, she sends him away for what she says what will be a little while. Go to my brother Laban and stay there for a little while. Well, uh, Jacob ends up being there for 20 years and never sees his mother again. We see in Rebecca manipulation and control as opposed to um, faith in God to follow his decree. Uh, then we see, uh, oh, excuse me, one verse, uh, James 3.16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. That's very much what we see here. Okay, now Jacob. Uh, Jacob, Esau specifically says um, on verse 36, isn't he rightly named Jacob? Jacob, the name means deceiver. And we see uh, him living up to his name. When his mom says, hey, listen to me and do this, the very first thing he says is rather than worry about, is this right or wrong to trick my father and to, 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 to swindle my brother out of his uh, blessing, he doesn't worry about that. He worries about getting cursed. He worries about getting caught. And understandably so. Think about this for a second. Uh, how outlandish is this, uh, this, this muse that his mom is trying to pull over on his father, right? First of all, Esau is so incredibly hairy that he, he, he uses goat skin uh, to, to uh, uh, imitate how hairy Esau is. And then uh, how can you make uh, goat taste like venison, right? That those are two very different types of meat and totally different uh, flavors. This tells us uh, very clearly how, um, how bad Isaac's health is at this point. We know he's blind, uh, but clearly he's lost uh, his other sensory uh, uh, capacities as well of taste to not know the difference between the two, or perhaps um, it's just tasting doesn't care. The point being that I'm getting at is, is that Jacob doesn't even worry about whether it's right or wrong, but he worries about, if, about getting caught. And then we see the lies. The many, many lies that Jacob tells. Uh, the first one uh, in verse 19 of, of 27. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. Straight up lie. Uh, I have done as you told me. Another lie. Um, then another lie. Isaac asks, how did you get back so quickly? The Lord your God gave me success. Another lie. Um, then... Isaac asks, are you really my son Esau? Verse 24, I am, he replies. Another lie. Then uh, the kiss, Isaac says to who he believes to be Esau, come and give me a kiss so that I might bless you. And in doing so, he smells him and he smells the clothes. He smells the outdoorsy woodsman. Uh, another cross-reference here is that Judas betrays Christ with a kiss. We see that in uh, Luke twenty-two forty-eight. This guy is just full of deceit, absolutely full of deceit. And uh, as I already said, Esau rightfully says, uh, isn't he rightly named Jacob? And we see from this um, 
the, the family feud. He runs for his life from his brother because, what he, because of what he's done uh, and has to spend 20 years um, away from his homeland because of this. Okay, the fourth character to hit on is Esau. Esau is a man of despair. And so many people, especially people of the world, when anything bad happens to them, you immediately blame somebody else. It's not Esau's fault that he lost his birthright. He blames his brother. He took my birthright. Uh, that's verse 36. And now he's taken my blessing. It's all Jacob's fault. I mean, there is an element. Esau was swindled in this situation. He did exactly what his father had asked him to do. But we learn from context from other scriptures about Esau, Hebrews uh, 12, 16 through 17, specifically says and calls out Esau as being godless. Then we see in Malachi 1, 3, uh, God specifically says, Esau I have hated, Jacob I have loved. I mentioned this once before, but that is an element of uh, the future family lines and Esau and the Edomites uh, being not God-fearing and not loving God and Israel and the Israelites uh, being the descendants of Jacob and God loving them as his chosen people. Uh, but Esau, I mean... It is a tough situation, but his response to this, I'm going to kill my brother because of this. And we see uh, him specifically say that in verse 41, then I will kill my brother Jacob. Genesis 33, we do actually see the reconciliation. Uh, Jacob returns with his, um, his family. He's going to have two wives that he returns with, and we'll talk about that in the coming chapters. But we do see... Um, Esau and Jacob uh, do mend their feud, but as scripture does say, as God does say, um, the Edomites will feud with Israel and will serve Israel. Now these two blessings, let's look at these. So the blessing, the patriarchal blessing uh, that he gives to Jacob is that may God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and wine. These are all material elements. My, may nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Uh, be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. Now this is interesting is that it's plural. Um, be Lord over your brothers. He's only got one brother. And may the sons of your mother, again plural, he's only got one brother. This is an element of future, uh, of the future generations is what he's speaking of. Now the blessing that he gives, uh, that Isaac gives to Esau is, is uh, nearly the opposite. Your dwelling will be away from earth's riches. Uh, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brothers. But when you go restless, you will throw his yoke from your neck. Not much of a blessing. We see Rebecca and Jacob scheme and swindle for an earthly blessing. For an earthly blessing from uh, from Isaac. And the question is, <clears throat> for modern application, so often we are simply working like crazy, scheming for earthly gain. We are going after a blessing from, uh, in a material way of financial gain, but there's also an element of uh, a paternal or maternal blessing, meaning that we're trying to please our father and please our mother. You understand what I'm saying is, is that so much of a pull of the world today is make other people happy. Make your, your father proud. Uh, make your mother proud. The important thing to keep in mind is, is the only opinion that truly matters is God's. God's blessing God will provide what you need. He knows what you need and he will give it to you. Do not scheme. Do not uh, uh, stress over the clothes that you wear uh, or your home or your possessions. Do not stress or worry about the blessing or the, uh, what your parents think of you. 
but more so worry about what God thinks of you. And then uh, the family dynamic, the dysfunction. Let's talk about that for a second. We see here a total breakdown in communication. Do I know that Isaac and Rebecca are bad at communication? Yeah, it is totally obvious. Does scripture tell us that? No, they don't straight up come out and say that they are, you know, uh, not a healthy couple. But we see it in the fact that uh, of how Rebecca treats her husband and the way that uh, Isaac is uh, uh, playing total favorites. Favoritism from a parent can cause devastating effects, absolutely devastating effects. And at the same token, uh, miscommunication or not talking about things that are clearly there, I wonder. Isaac clearly favors Esau. I'm curious if Rebecca's love for Jacob came about because of Isaac's uh, disproportionate, unfair love of Esau. Hear me out. What I'm saying is, is that uh, a mother, and those who are married can, uh, will attest to this, is that when your spouse is really heavy and adamant for one thing, the natural inclination for the spouse is to support the opposite. Uh, and, and if you as a parent have two children and you see that your spouse heavily favors one, your natural inclination is to help the balance and you are going to start favoring the other. other. And now imagine that it's been 40 years and you clearly have favorites. Dad loves the outdoorsy woodsman and mom loves the mama's boy. And you see that play out here in Rebecca trying to uh, balance uh, Isaac's unfair love of one son over the other, the disproportionate love. The point that I'm getting at here is, is that you see a total lack of communication. Total lack of communication. What would have happened if Rebecca and Isaac had been of one accord, had come together from the very beginning and said, you know what, God has said that this is what's going to happen. That goes against tradition. That goes against Esau being the older, even though it's only seconds older, they're twins. Esau was born only, only seconds before Jacob, literally grabbing Esau's heel as he comes out. But imagine what would have happened if they had been of one uh, mind on this and had come together as a husband and wife. And Jacob had said, you know what? I really have to confess. I don't connect with Jacob. If Isaac had said, I really connect with Esau, he's my, my, he's my, my boy. He's, he's so athletic. He's the one who's the captain of the football team. He's the one who, who is a mighty hunter. And I can't relate to my son, Jacob. And, and it, it bothers me if he had communicated that with his wife, Rebecca, and they had discussed this and said, I know he, you are so much, Jacob is so much more like you, and excuse me, Esau is so much more like you, and, and Jacob is so much more like me, but we need to do a good job as parents to show them both love. God's blessing was going to happen one way or the other. There's no question of that. Jacob is uh, blessed through the covenantal blessing. And we're going to see that when we go on to further passages in 28. We're going to see God carry on the covenantal blessing. Two thoughts, two questions as we close. In what ways are you scheming after an earthly blessing. It's something to be aware of. Is it wrong to want to uh, provide for your family? No, it's not wrong. Is it wrong to want to do well, to want to be uh, the best that you can possibly do, be at your vocation? No, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. Just make sure that the, the reason why you're doing it is the right one and not for material gain, uh, but to be a blessing on your family and to be a blessing onto others. The Bible specifically says is use your wealth while you are alive to bless other people. In the same token, are you worrying more about what other people think than what God thinks? It's something to be aware of. And if you don't know, pray about it. God will show you. The other element is communication. 
we see an example of uh, a breakdown between uh, a father and a mother in the way they communicate and the resulting nasty uh, scheming that exists. We talked about it last week. Faith is, is uh, living without scheming, believing in God and trusting in him. And a key thing as a husband, as a wife, as a friend, as a brother, as a sister is to communicate if you have an issue with someone or you know someone has an issue with you, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with others. That's in Romans chapter 12. I don't remember the exact verse, but I know it's in Romans chapter 12. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do you need to reconcile with somebody? Do you need to confess a selfish ambition uh, or, or discuss, is this a call on you right now to be a, as one accord as a mother and a father to make sure that, that your children don't feel favoritism in the way clearly that uh, Esau and Jacob did? Why don't you bow your heads? Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are sovereign, that despite um, the family feuding that happens, your will is done Thank you that you do love us and that you do want to bless us. Thank you, Lord, that we have the capacity to learn from your word. You give it to us to help us, to coach us, that we might change our ways uh, and be more Christ-like in them. And I pray, Lord, for those people that are listening to this right now, that you will reveal in them ways that they can become better and give them strength and understanding to know that you love them regardless of their faults but that you call us to, to a, a higher call uh, to communicate better and to trust in you and to seek after your blessing, not the blessing of the world. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are going to see next week, we are going to come across what's called Jacob's Ladder. We're going to discuss what that is. Uh, and then we're going to continue on as Jacob arrives in Haran. Uh, and we're going to see the swindler get swindled multiple times uh, across the coming chapters. Read ahead. Uh, I love you guys, and I'll see you next week.